Welcome action fans, and thanks for joining us for another edition of All 90s Action All The Time, as we continue our journey looking at some of the best, worst, most underseen and wackiest action movies of 1993. I'm your host Scott Murphy, and joining me on this edition is my regular co-host, you know who he is, it's screenwriter, comedian, and the ultimate action movie villain, it's Mr. Craig Draheim. Go, Goomba. <laughs> hey, everyone. Uh, so it's almost my favorite part in the episode. Yeah. What quote will Craig use? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's a fun one. Plus, we have a returning special guest in the form of wine connoisseur, Twitch streamer, and namely 90s co-host, Mr. Brandon Schwitter. Hey, Brandon, welcome back to the show. I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat anything with a face. <laughs> Sorry, I prepped a quote this time. Uh, hey, everyone. Thanks for having me back. So before we get into today's film, normally we don't talk about your show so much because you've been on a few times. So I think that people might be aware of Namely 90s. You usually give the plug at the end. But since you've had a format change, I oh. shall give you the floor, Brandon, and you can tell people about the all new Namely 90s for 2023. Oh, yes. All new Namely 90s. We started season two of Namely 90s uh, after two and a half years of doing all 120 months of the 90s. And we started that in January. It started January. And um, we have two new formats uh, for season two, which switch off every week. We have a variety show format which covers a variety of topics. It's kind of similar to our old format. We'll, and we'll usually have like a game or something fun. We'll discuss or debate something. Um, we're still kind of figuring out the, the nuances to it because the first episode was very ambitious and it ended up being like over an hour, which we aim for like 30 to 40 minutes usually. So uh, it's still being tweaked out. And then uh, every other week we have a deep dive format, which... Um, either Andrew or I will go into like a deep focused, uh, history of something. Uh, Andrew's first episode is titled the rise of the World Wide web. And, uh, he kind of just goes through the, the evolution of the World Wide web and the internet, um, up into the nineties. And I sit there and listen and try to make funny jokes and <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so we're, we're still tweaking out those formats. Um, I'm my deep dive coming up is going to be on super soakers so that should be out by the time this is out, um, which are the water guns that we had as kids in the nineties. Um, and Can we expect a future episode on the best nineties wines. Uh, I uh, maybe I don't know. I, I don't know because so I, I am currently retweaking Rewind, uh, which is my my wine series for a season four release. Um, possibly. Oh, so in you February. don't want to cross the streams? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I and you just get so bored when I talk about things <laughs> that I know. Okay. Uh, even though that's the entire point of the format, we get to to talk about stuff that we know about or do research into uh i'm sure one week i will just be like oh i forgot to do my research so i'll just do wine from the 90s and uh the evolution of wine in the 90s and um i will credit scott for putting that idea in my head <laughs> it's always good to be mentioned on our podcast oh yeah and um craig uh you're, you're coming uh you're coming to the end of your exciting project 
Um, you want to talk a little bit about that before we we dive into this bad boy? Yeah, sure. Um, so the project is called, I've well titled it as I'm the Joke, and it's two years now that I've been working on this through research and everything. And the whole topic is based around how we as a society and different groups talk about offensiveness or offensive or taboo materials and within specifically live comedy. So not trying to purposefully offend people, not to trying to solve what is offensive or not, because that is entirely all subjective as I go into in great detail and talk about my um, downward spiral of almost a nervous breakdown of trying to understand all this, but yeah, just how can we better communicate? And it's based on that. Then I also am creating a whole stand-up comedy um, one person show where I talk about that and have jokes and so on and so forth. And it's yes, about to be performed and looking at other venues too, where I'll be performing this piece. That, that sounds great. Um, I'm yeah. looking forward to listening to that. Obviously, I probably won't see the stand-up set, but anybody who's living in the Michigan area, yeah. I'm sure that it's they, we. Um, I am going to try and yeah, I am recording it, and um, so we're going to try and do a full-on like make it uh, the whole comedy special. All right, and day. you'll be uploading yeah. that to like YouTube or something. Yes, right, yep. great. Okay, well, we'll all, we'll all look out for that. I recommend all the listeners to check that out um, for people who like action and comedy. And talking about action and comedy, let's get on to today's film. So this is the movie that sparked the video game movie trend. It was the first video game movie adaptation. And it was the movie that started the trend that most video game uh, to movie adaptations are almost invariably rubbish. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Just in time for the new one to drop. It is Super Mario Brothers. Plumbers. They're on the trail of a kidnapped princess and a mystical meteorite that gives anyone who possesses it the power to rule the universe. Get me the rock! Now, they must rescue the princess. And make it safely back. Later, alligator. To our world. Are you alright? Before time runs out. Brothers, this ain't no game. Which was released on May 28th, 1993. It was directed by then husband and wife directing duo Annabelle Jankel and Rocky Morton. 
who at that time were probably most famous uh, for co-creating Max Headroom. They don't have an extensive filmography, but they both uh, separately and together uh, when they were still married um, have an extensive music video uh, directing uh, career. It was written by Parker Bennett, Terry Runt and Ed Solomon. Bennett and Runt don't really have any other notable credits. They have like a couple of credits to their names, nothing really famous. Very sadly, um, Terry Runt died a year after this movie came out when he was only 34. So I was pretty shocked to see that when I was doing the research. Ed Solomon is, is a much more famous writer. He wrote the screenplays for all three Bill and Ted movies, the first Men in Black film, and a bunch of other things. Although this was not the original script in the movie, uh, which we'll probably talk about a bit more uh, later. Critically, it is currently sitting on a 4.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 29% on Rotten Tomatoes, based on 42 reviews, 35 on Metacritic, based on 23 reviews, and it has a 2.0 on Letterboxd. Box office-wise, it made $38.9 million off of a budget estimated between 42 and 48 million. However, despite being a critical and box office disaster, it has picked up a cult following over the 30, you know, the, since the 30 years since it's been released, and even has its own dedicated fan site, Super Mario Brothers, the movie archive dedicated to it. So there we go. That's your background <laughs> details for Super Mario Brothers. So, before we dive into this one, let's talk about our relationship to the film when we first saw the film. If we've, if we've seen the film, I don't know if you've seen the film before. I presume you both have. But um, let's go first with Brandon. When did you first see this? What was your thoughts to, uh, when you saw it? Uh, let's see. I didn't see it in theaters, but I <laughs> definitely had it either on VHS or maybe they played it on cable in the states because i i I've, i saw this two or three times as a kid growing up in the 90s and every time mortified by by it you know um it's it's lived long in my memories apparently because having watched it this time i remembered every beat and every plot point so i may have watched it more times than i care to remember um <laughs> and it's so I, I am a Nintendo kid. I, I grew up, my first console was the, uh, Nintendo. I, had a, I've, I think I've had every iteration of the Game Boy except for the Micro. I've had every Nintendo console except for the Virtual Boy. And I, I loved Mario as a kid. We, we, my, my family even has a Player's Choice 10 Nintendo cabinet, which was an arcade cabinet that had bunch of different nes games in it so like nintendo was my jam uh, especially mm -hmm. as a kid growing up in the 90s and i i just i have such a good relation with mario <laughs> and this movie just takes it all away okay uh, from, from time to time uh but uh -huh. you know uh going back and watching this 30 some years removed at least 25 years removed it's i can appreciate it more for what it is i always forget it is the first video game movie and because for some reason i always feel like street fighter came out before it but it didn't no it came out the year after 1994. 
and uh you know everyone loves wing commander from 1999 so clearly <laughs> no um yeah that's that that's my relationship with the movie is saw it as a child thought it was an abomination uh-huh. clearly watched it many times because i remember it very clearly so it's either emotional scarring or i watched it a lot and repressed that memory okay that's interesting yeah. Craig, do you have a similar relationship? What's your relationship? So, yeah, I had a Nintendo as well. Uh-huh. I played Mario. I remember, so I saw it, it wouldn't have been in theaters, but I probably yeah, watched it on VHS after it came out. I remember, so not watching it this time, I won't talk about that yet, but thinking about it as a kid, because I was a big Luigi fan over mario and so i remember it being like oh yeah this is kind of luigi's more of this main character instead of you know just constantly the mario sidekick and i liked that part from what i remembered but i was probably the opposite of brandon in the sense of i felt like i watched it a lot when i was a kid i renting it but watching it this time I did not recall any of it except like the mud part, the mud bath. I was like, oh yeah, the mud bath. And then them jumping with the boots. And mm-hmm. then was it Mario doing the dance with, was it Bertha? Big Bertha. Club. Like I remember that. And then everything else is just, yeah. Okay. Completely new and fresh it felt like. But uh-huh. yeah, it was, it, and I know we'll talk in, about it more, but it was interesting this time, especially for how complex the storyline is for a Mario, you know, a Mario game, which is pretty cut and dry. The princess, you know, princess gets taken. He goes to save her. And this, they throw in all of this lore and parallel dimensions. And yeah, which we, I know we'll get into. So I won't yeah, talk more about yeah, it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for, for sure. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. I think the funny thing is, right, I, I don't. I'm not as much of a, I'm certainly not as much of a gamer as you, Brandon. And although I will say that I did have some friends when I was, I was very young who got the, because they'd been in Japan, they got the the Game Boy early. Mm -hmm. So a few months before it came out in the UK. So I was born in 1985. And um, so Super Mario was uh, one of the very first games I played. I don't know when. I played it, but I played it sometime in 1990, uh, maybe before my fifth birthday. So, so it was that was one of the very first. So, I do have like a connection to Mario, and I always enjoyed the the, the Mario games. Although, really, like my kind of time of gaming is that you know is like the is like the 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 90s, and I have very fond memories of Super Mario Land on the Game Boy and the Super Mario games on the SNES and Mario 64, and then. Like I think, like up to the GameCube, I think that's that's a, that's about as far as as we got. And then, like obviously, my I, my brother was a much bigger gamer, and he can continued onwards. But that's kind of where I stopped. But with the movie, I remember I rented it. I definitely didn't see it in theaters, so presumably I saw it in like '94. And then, yeah, I. I I didn't think it was amazing. It was never like one of my childhood favorites or anything. But I don't remember thinking it was an abomination. I, I remember kind of enjoying it. And I watched it a few times after that. So that, that's kind of my relationship to, to both the game uh, and the movie itself. 
and I think I was more like I was. I think I'm kind of we've uh, we've perfectly synced up because I think I'm kind of in the middle. I remembered a number of the set pieces, but like the overall uh, beat by beat story was all a jumble. And there's definitely lots of things that I totally forgot about, which we'll get into. But so we're all kind of we've all perfectly synced up. Brandon remembers pretty much everything. I remember about half the movie. Craig remembers almost nothing. Uh, I I will say that what I remember most is actually, which it's very present nowadays with, as we know of a toxic fandom and things like that. This being one of the first times of telling somebody when I was younger, probably middle school that, oh yeah, whatever. I liked the Mario one movie and they got very upset about because they're Mario fans and so that was I think my first experience your first that type of (laughs) your first first hand experience with toxic fandom uh, before it even had that name (laughs) I'm glad to fill that role today no um, I I will say on this rewatch I noticed a lot more like I understood more of the references and like what they adapted into their own version of the lore whereas as a kid I was just like this isn't Mario. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's very true. But because it's essentially, they seem to be drawing very heavily from the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of Mario and Luigi in the Wizard of Oz. There's even a bit in the movie where John Leguizamo says, "Like, oh, it looks like we're not in Brooklyn no more." <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, we, we get it. You know, like Wizard of Oz influence. Yeah. Got yet. What- well, you even have, was it Spike and Iggy who are almost like the scarecrow? They're, yeah, they get, a, they get a brain, and then you have Toad, and yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, they did Toad dirty in this, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for, sh- for, for sure they did. Uh, that's um, on the Goombas. Oh, I may turn into the toxic fan today, so I'm gonna rely on you two to, to read. Oh, okay, that. that's that's fine. Brandon guest starring as toxic fandom. <laughs> title card (laughs) (laughs) well i mean there isn't a lot of kind of super mario brothers material in the super mario brothers film but it does it does start with the theme tune oh actually before we get into this this is interesting thing right because i think this is not a good movie However, <laughs> I don't think it's one of the worst movies of all time, as, as sometimes it sometimes crops up on those lists. Because like, if you think this is one of the worst movies of all time, you've not seen enough movies, particularly right. exploitation movies, uh, shot on video movies. But also, like, I don't think this is the worst video game adaptation. I've come up with a list of video mm. game movies, a short list, not a complete list, because I think mm. there's more, of video game movies. I think this film is better than, but, ha- but th- these films have higher IMDb scores. So here we go. So Super Mario Brothers has an IMDb score of 4.1. Wing Commander has an IMDb score of 4.3. Wow. Really? Tekken has an IMDb score of 4.8. Tekken. DOA, Dead or Alive, (laughs) has a score of 4.8. There is some cheesy fun to be had with Dead or Alive, but also, like, it's, I mean... It's a terrible film. Jamie um, Presley was in it. Yeah, Jamie Presley was. Devonie Oakey is very good in it. Like you That's know, she's right. been done dirty many times. Sorry, Devonie so Oakey. Many times. You know, she's so good, but like, just give her better parts, man. Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
Doom 5.2, right? Oh. And then, the, now we get into the truly outrageous. Max Payne 5.3 and Hitman, a truly ridiculous 6.2. So, so there we go. I, I don't know about you guys, but I think all of those movies are worse than Super Mario Brothers. The weird thing about that, there's a through line with all the movies that you picked, except uh, for Tekken. I don't remember who's in Tekken. But other than Tekken, like there are like actors in those movies that have a big enough fan base yeah. to draw out people to say, oh, it's better than it should be. Yeah, I know. I, I I guess yeah. Tekken doesn't really have any big stars. I mean, if you're an MMA fan, I think Kung Lee's in that movie. He was an MMA guy um, who was popular mm. for a while. And if you're a fan of kind of direct-to-video action of the '90s, the British action legend that is Gary Daniels plays Brian Fury in that film. <laughs> but again, you know, like that's only if you're invested in kind of direct-to-video action. Max Payne had Mark Wahlberg. That's yeah, true. Uh, I already mentioned the DOAs. Wing Commander had both Freddie Prince Jr. and, and Matthew, Lloyd. Um, Matthew Lloyd. What was the other one? Hitman, Hitman had, had um, Tim- oh, Timothy Oliphant. Hit- yeah. Well, wasn't Hitman played by... Was it Timothy Oliphant? Timothy Oliphant in one, the yeah. first one. I've picked the oh, first I'm one. Agent, I'm thinking Agent 47. Agent 47 is the guy from Homeland, Rupert. Yeah. I can't remember his surname, but yes, yeah, Timothy Oliphant in the first one. Oh wow, I didn't yeah. completely forgot about that. Yeah, way back in 2007, and yeah, and, and obviously Doom has The Rock and Carl Urban, yeah, um, who are good in it, but like the rest of the movie around them is terrible. <laughs> right? Yeah, it was a CGI mess. <laughs> so I just wanted to get that out of my system because I, I was like, <laughs> I, I think that like it's not a good film, but like I think we're slightly doing it dirty to like put it in kind of worst film list and and but, also like give it lower scores and a bunch of that shit. It also has but, lower scores in all six Resident Evil films, which have surprisingly high scores. But yeah, we'll 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 get off that and we'll but, we'll uh, go into the film. I agree with Brandon though, where. If Super Mario, a movie like that came out today, I think it would probably do better because of the way fans are. Since it was the first video game adaptation, I don't think it. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It was probably the same environment that. It yeah, it, it would have been. It would have been different, and I think that like ner- kind of nerdom was like much smaller back then, because yeah. like I remember growing up in the nineties, that. Before video games kind of was the biggest medium in the world, like in the 90s, like video games was just played by nerds. And now like everybody plays video games. It doesn't matter if you're like a geek or or a jock or, you know, whatever, you know, a, a metalhead. What, it doesn't matter like what kind of subculture or if you're in a subculture. Kind of subcultures don't really exist now because everybody just exists in their own kind of mashup of cultures. Um, so I guess like, Time is very different now. But anyway, back to my point. Yeah. It was much more. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're saying we're living in the post-Wii, post-Angry Birds world where everyone has access to like mobile games. And yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone everyone had a Wii console. And it it's we're also post-emoji. We're, we're in a post-emoji movie world. So I guess so. If, if you can make a plot out of that... <laughs> I guess you that's can make fair. Yeah. Out of anything. yeah, I guess I guess that's that's true. 
And they do... Not that, not that you should. <laughs> no, not, not that you necessarily should. They do attempt to make a plot out of this. And yeah, as I was going to say, that even though it doesn't have a lot of Super Mario Brothers content in the Super Mario Brothers movie, it does at least start with a theme tune. So yes. <laughs> there, there's oh. that. And then much graphics dinosaur. Yeah. Is what I have for my notes. Yes. Um, That's with narration by Homer Simpson himself. Yeah. <laughs> I think as we kind of discussed a little bit off air, there's some like pretty decent talent kind of behind this movie. You know, mm-hmm. Alan Silvestri is a composer of the score who did like the Back to the Future films. Dean Semler is a cinematographer and he did like Mad Max 2 and had only a couple of years before uh, won the Oscar for Dances with Wolves. It's produced by Roland Joffe, who uh, directed a couple of, you know, kind of critically acclaimed dramas in the 80s, uh, like The Killing Fields and um, The Mission. So, you know, both behind the camera and on screen, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of talent here. No, I agree. And I think because I was reading up on what they were planning on doing initially was they wanted to give it a feel that of like a, a more modern day, you know, modern for the time, Abbott and Costello or Laurel and Hardy, which I think mm. if they, even if they leaned more into that, maybe would have held up better or would have enjoyed it more if they, but because there are points like, oh, you could have just made this a little more slaps. Dicky or added more comedy. I think there is, all... but for some reason, it's heartfelt yeah. at this part, and it feels weird. I think there's I feel like that would add more whiplash. Yeah, I think yeah. there's a lot of Total tonal whiplash. confusion because there was a lot of scripts. So the original yeah. script was written by a British comedy writing duo, Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet, who <laughs> probably won't be known to to you, but like co-wrote successful British sitcoms like Porridge and uh, whatever happened to the little lads amongst uh, other things although apparently their script wasn't like a comedy script apparently it was actually much more dramatic and is the script that brought bob hoskins and uh, fiona shaw and dennis hopper onto the project and then that script was entirely (laughs) thrown out (laughs) and then and then we got this this script that we actually got which i think was initially written by parker bennett and terry runt and then was had script rewrites of from Ed Solomon, who, yeah, who obviously changed it enough that he got a writing credit as well. Apparently, there was like rewrites on sets, and apparently, there was a point where there were so many rewrites, and the directors were doing some rewrites as well. And at a certain point, the actors kind of started ignoring the rewrites. So there's a lot of tonal confusion uh, because of that, and also because there was a fight between the directors. And the producer about like what tone they wanted the film to be. Uh, the directors wanted a, a darker tone, and uh, Roland Joffe, the producer, wanted a, like a more family-friendly comic tone. So that's that's why it's kind of a bit of a mess in terms of its tone. Yeah, I think that that's been my was my biggest issue watching is that it just should have been one or the. I don't know. Yeah, if that's. I guess the tone is the tone and then trying to make a bigger world than it needed to be. It was just, there's a lot of stuff in this. Yeah, (laughs) there is, but you could have been cut. I guess just because you mentioned Abbott and Costello Craig, the one thing that made me laugh, really laugh as a kid and still made me laugh when I rewatched it is the Abbott and Costello routine. They do at the police station 
where he goes like what's your first name mario what's your second name mario <laughs> what's your first name luigi what's your surname mario how many marios are there <laughs> three the mario yeah. mario luigi mario. it's a i mean that's a classic kind of abbott and costello type kind of routine yeah. right there <laughs> I recently got a question correct. The only person that got a question correct, uh, or the question correct, uh, at a pub trivia thing, um, where they asked, "What is Mario's surname?" and I was like, "From the non-canon movie." And the guy's like, "Well, this and other sources." I'm like, "No, they did not. They only say it in the non-canon movie." Is that what we're asking? <laughs> and he's like, "Yes." And so I, I was the only one that knew it was Mario Mario. <laughs> Everyone else is like generic Italian last names. I'm like, is that racist to do? Just assume Mario has a, a, a Italian last name. Yeah. Uh, are are we gonna? Do, do you remember the stories about Bob Hoskins being drunk? Um, yes, for the entire movie. Are we bringing that up later? I, I mean, we can bring it up now. Yes. Yeah, so Bob Hoskins. I, I suppose to kind of tee this up for you, uh, you can you can talk about. Talk about it a, a bit further, but to kind of tee this up for you, I was going to just read out a little quote um, from from Bob Hoskins, just to kind of give you an idea of what Bob Hoskins kind of thought about the production and is how happy he was. I uh, just <laughs> I thought I had the I thought I had the quote uh, teed up. If you want to talk about the drinking now, I'll find I'll find the quote in just a second. <laughs> so, um, from what I remember, the cast and the crew knew that they were working on a bad yep. movie, uh, and both John Leguizamo and Bob Hoskins admitted that they drank whiskey in between takes as a coping mechanism, and that also led to Bob Hoskins getting his finger broken because Lucas Lama was driving uh, the van in one of the takes and the a van door slammed on his finger. Mm -hmm. But I, the only reason, like, I never noticed it as a kid. I really didn't notice it much watching this movie, how drunk he is, except for the fact that there are three or four times throughout the movie where they clearly ADR'd what he was saying in a scene. Yeah. Like, like straight up dubbed his, had him redo his, his line where you could see his lips flapping completely different from what he's saying. <laughs> uh, and I just assumed that was because he was so drunk he didn't remember what his lines were and didn't care anymore. I, I probably didn't care as well, like you said. So I have found the yeah. quote um, that I was, I was scrabbling to find a minute ago. So it says, in a 2011 interview with The Guardian, Bob Hoskins described the film's production it was a fucking nightmare. The whole experience was a nightmare. It had a husband and wife team directing whose arrogance had been mistaken for talent. After so many weeks, their own agent told them to get off the set. Fucking nightmare. Fucking idiots. That's the quote I remember. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Bob Hoskins. Because, not a fan of the film. It said it's the worst film he ever made. Although, apparently, his son Jack likes the film so <laughs> he was on a because up until that point i think he had a pretty good streak i want to say it was like who framed roger rabbit i know before that he had mona lisa i want to say he had a yeah i don't know hook. i just I, yeah hook was in 91 hook was, hook was 91 and like yeah. uh, while because i'm 37 years old 
I have childhood nostalgia for that. I think the majority of people think that that's one of Spielberg's worst films. What? <laughs> I like it too. Yeah, I like. Yeah, yeah, no, I think we're all of the correct age. Like, there's like, <laughs> I, I, I think it's one of those things that we can't separate from our own nostalgia. I think there's a very slim, slim slither, slither of people from their early to late thirties who like that film, and then everybody else is like. Mm-mm. <laughs> so i i i i would challenge that because uh or i would challenge those people because um i had to look it up for a quote we did a quote in the 90s on the insanely dangerous retro pod show and did hook for that and i had to look the clip up to to get the the quote for the audio and i ended up just watching like five or six clips of robin williams being peter pan and i'm like this is amazing. Robin Williams is a great actor. Uh, I haven't gone back and watched the whole movie, mm-hmm. so that that might be the the contention point. But I, the moments where Robin Williams is embracing himself as Peter Pan are fantastic. Uh, go go watch those clips on YouTube. You will you will your heart your childhood heart will swell. And yeah, and Spielberg's worst stuff is anything he's done in the like, past 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning his lazy, or his safe, whatever he's doing now. I, I don't know. I mean, like his latest but, film, The Fablemans, has got like a lot of good reviews. So I, 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 but no I one don't, saw it. I don't, I don't, I don't I, know how. I, I haven't seen just, it either. I just, I'm just aware it got a lot of good reviews. Yeah. I heard it's just very safe. Okay. Or it's, you know, something that, yeah, maybe somebody else should have done. And, movie about his life possibly <laughs> i i don't know i will say though of latter day um spielberg bridge of spies is great came out in 2015 it's a great movie yeah so you mean eight years ago now <laughs> yeah like i don't know like i don't know what he's been after to be honest um i've not like closely followed spielberg's uh, from what like there, he's made some good stuff in the 2010s like i i really some people think it's boring i really enjoyed lincoln i think daniel Lewis is great west side story oh okay yeah no oh, i never yeah. watched that but like i'm not a big musical fan maybe it's great for musical fans i i don't know like i can't really judge that film because i'm like not into like classic traditional musicals so like it's hard for me to be like i might watch it and think oh that's not so good but that's coming from a place of like i'm not really into classic traditional musicals so i don't know I think I think it was another case of it was a good movie, just no one went out. And Apparently saw it. so, yeah. It got decent reviews. Uh, like that, again, it was just not a film that, that interested me. So like it's it's hard to judge its quality. But anyway, we're talking about Super Mario Brothers. So, we're not talking about Super so the Mario. opening. <laughs> well, this one ties in Ready Player One. Right? Yeah, oh, I yeah. Th- that was very divisive. <laughs> Apparently, I've I've not seen it. Apparently, I've not seen anything um, Spielberg's better. made since uh, British Spies. Which... <laughs> I'm just going to be a cliche and say the book was better. Okay, cool. Speaking of things that the source material that were better. Supermarket. So, you brought us back. You brought us in, Brandon. <laughs> yes. Well, well done. I can do it. That's what That's, I'm here for. That right? is what you're yeah. there for. You know, you no, so, I, you can't just I take us on wild tangents and bring us right back. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So we learn <laughs> that 65 million years ago, potentially an asteroid hit the earth. And when it did, instead of killing the dinosaurs, it created a parallel dimension where dinosaurs lived and evolved into human exactly human looking dinosaurs 
I guess. Yep. And then the human world kept going. And that brings us to basically our opening, or it's then 20 years prior to the events of the movie where somebody, a woman is carrying an egg. Well, yeah, I just spoiled it. Whatever. <laughs> carrying a, <laughs> a case that has something in it. Which is an egg. Drops, <laughs> yeah, which is an egg. Um, and she drops it off in front of a church. Yes. And then, um, you know, and then we just kind of cliche scenes. And then, yeah, and then she she gets chased, and we discover that Samantha Massis is her own mother. Um, so, <laughs> plot twist. <laughs> well, that's asexual reproduction is a, yeah. a thing that dinosaurs do, or and reptiles do. I guess so. Like, yeah, uh, yeah fair, fair, fair enough. So it makes sense. She would have all the same DNA. Yeah. Yeah. Even though she has a father. Yes, apparently she does have a father. Yeah, yeah so it doesn't really... We shouldn't <laughs> dive into the logic of this too much. Um... A baby hatches from an egg. Anyway, Again, she yeah. baby hatches yeah. from an egg. Nuns, surprise. Uh, but not that surprised. Just kind of like, huh, that's huh. interesting. I didn't expect that. Plot twist. But like, um, yeah, yeah, and then they just like raise the baby. They do... you, you would think that like um, they would think it was something evil or something and cast the baby out or something right. but like no no they just um they just uh, get on with it and apparently in this universe it's um she was brought up in a nice nunnery not one of those not one of those bad ones you hear about in those other movies nice yeah. nunnery um well, yeah, she's like, like the sound of music <laughs> <laughs> she's brought up in a nunnery in brooklyn but it has no Brooklyn accent, unlike any, everybody else in the movie. Oh, or at least attempting point. to try and have a Brooklyn accent. That, that is true. We have some very broad Brooklyn accents. Some of them are hilarious. Like, I don't know how many yeah. of the, you know, we'll, we'll get to it, but like of the, the other women who are kidnapped by Iggy and Spike, who are, are referred to as the Brooklyn babes. <laughs> Like in the credits, like I'm not just making, I'm not just being a perv and making it up. Like that's, <laughs> that's the name. Yeah, some of them have like some real broad accents, and I I don't know if they're because sometimes it's weird because I've noticed this with like uh, Scottish people and and other people that sometimes the person is from the place that they're supposed to be from, but then because they want to make the audience aware that they're really, really from that place, they get that person to like beef up their accent to make audiences aware. Like, so sometimes Scottish people put on like an extra Scottish accent and you're like, that seems over the top. Um, (laughs) So so maybe they are from Brooklyn and and they've just been directed to be like, be as Brooklyn as possible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so the, I guess the queen or her mother is going to go back to what we find out to be the other world, but is you know, attacked by King Koopa, and she's able to kind of seal off the portal between the two worlds. And is then that jump. what happened? I was so kind <laughs> Yeah, because I know they said it, the portal wasn't open back up again until the... Was it the real estate guy? Scapatelli came in and um, yes, yes, he came in and tried to disrupt everything by messing up the water. But that means it was so. open before. I, I guess, guess so. so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was open if you had the the st- I, so if you had the stone. Don't go into this thing yeah. trying to make sense <laughs> I, of it. <laughs> I know, I'm, uh, like it, it's all suddenly hitting me because like he was in the storm tunnel. 
but they said they couldn't cross over later in the movie. Well, yeah, I, I think because she over. had the stone, and if you follow the person immediately, they can you can get through the wall. But like oh, okay. something like that. Yeah, that, that helps. Okay, Thank no, you. No, no problem. I, I was, no problem. I was about to spiral. <laughs> yes, no problem. And then like this is this is quite interesting because like I feel that often when we do these movies, I make a lot of notes for the for the first act. And then it kind of starts to slow down. And then, like, I'm just, I take very little notes by the end of the movie. But this is kind of almost a reverse. It's quite slow to start, yeah. in, a, in a sense. We, we get, like, oh, we're setting up the characters and we're kind of doing this and that. And, like, most of the action kind of ends up in the third act. It gets quite frantic. I made much more notes in the kind of last 35 ish minutes than I did, like, the first, like, Iron five kind of thing. I don't know if you yeah, felt that. They add well. a lot. I same. I mean, they add a lot in as it goes on. Mm. But well, yeah, they try. <laughs> um, but I, another question that was brought up was it just because Bob Hoskins was cast as Mario? Is that why they didn't have Peach? Or because why didn't they just do Peach instead? Easy. I'm. I'm. They have. I'm Daisy. not sure about that at all. Like, because most of the other characters are. The name, you know, we got Mario, Luigi, yeah. and Koopa, and and Toad, which we'll discuss further, and uh, Yoshi, <laughs> and you know everybody else has got the same. So I don't know why they switched from from Peach to Daisy. Well, because okay. traditionally Daisy is shipped with Luigi. Oh, okay. Luigi. Okay, I see. Seemed to be the driving force. Okay, so it's okay. it's helpful. It's Daisy helpful to have Toxic Fandom on the on the podcast. You can tell us. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell us Mario facts. Yeah. <laughs> Daisy's the the brown haired sure. princess okay, cool. from from the Mario games. So just just to be perfectly clear, Princess Daisy was introduced in Super Mario Land, which is the first Game Boy game, uh, Mario Game Boy game from 1989. She is the princess of Sarasa Land. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, people know her more from like Mario Kart Double Dash and Mario Tennis now. Excellent. Thank okay. you, Toxic Fandom. You're welcome. <laughs> So, so we're in modern day in Brooklyn, and we meet Luigi, who is just watching kind of like those unsolved mystery or one of the tab with the strange, yeah, type shows that talk about the Bat Boys or you know the stuff that we would have been used to, I guess, of the '90s that were really popular. But I don't know, is that still a thing? I no. don't think so. I, I think that's very much uh, a '90s thing. The one thing I did want to highlight from the scene because I thought it was, I thought it was funny, was like Mario gives a dig at the New York Post. Of, <laughs> so I was, I just, I don't know. I just thought it was funny. Um, just basically saying that you can't believe anything you read in New York Post because yeah. it's trash. I, I liked how they had plungers. Oh on the yes, wall. that like, that that is good <laughs> on display. They're so like throughout the movie. And we'll discuss it further because plumbing saves a day on a number of occasions. They're so proud, or specifically Mario is so proud to be a plumber. It is obviously the greatest vocation that anybody could have. That's no offense to, to plumbers. It's you know, we need we need plumbers in the world. We, uh, we you yeah. know, we need we probably need more actually because they're low on the ground and can charge a fortune because of that. Like, yeah, so no, it's good, but like it is funny how it's portrayed in this movie. Like, because it's, I don't think that most plumbers, it's their whole identity in the same way 
that it, right. it is Mario's in this film. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the 90s, the early 90s was still the time when people, their identities were their jobs until we yeah. learned from the movie Brink, Disney Channel original movie Brink, that your job isn't who you are. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, that's that's very true. So, so no, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Up, up until this time, up until this year, obviously, um, you just wore your job and you just wore your plumber gear all the time or, or whatever, <laughs> whatever you, you may be. I think that <laughs> I don't know what you think of this section of the movie. Basically, it's fairly straightforward. We're trying to set up the characters, who they are. Luigi's a bit of a conspiracy nut. Mario is quite grumpy, but also quite cheerful at the same time. Very proud of being a plumber. Daisy is very kind of she's a she's a bit of an activist and and you know like uh and also like a paleontologist who is kind of weirdly ashamed of being a paleontologist because like on their date yeah. with luigi so it's like whoa you think this is interesting and i was like i mean yeah. you studied it women you're like i mean why yeah. what, what is wrong <laughs> what is wrong with luigi and daisy like so they meet Daisy uh, uh, as she's doing excavation just outside the Brooklyn Bridge because they found dinosaur bones and she's like the head person for NYU's if, students yeah. excavators. Even though she's only 20 or something. Yeah, she's 20. So she, she'd be a junior going into her senior year, maybe. But yeah, uh, and somehow she runs into the Mario Brothers and ends up on a date with a double date with Mario and his girlfriend and luigi and then they go walking home and they have this whole conversation about how like luigi's like i'm so uninteresting and daisy's like i'm such a weirdo haha and just like where are your where's the self-confidence yeah no they're both very anxious people like that's i mean the both of them need therapy i think i guess uh, we should know uh, because you were talking about that quiz you were at where people were guessing stereotypical italian names we should know that they go on a double date at the most stereotypical Italian restaurant that anybody has ever been at. <laughs> and I, I really liked Mario's line. Also, I think Daisy says something to the extent of, there used to be dinosaurs here. Yeah. And Mario's like, there used to be Dodgers here too. And I yeah. um, apologize for whatever accent that was. But um, yeah, I was like, oh, that's, that's funny because New York. Yeah. For for those of you that don't know, the the, the L.A. Dodgers used to be yeah. the, the New York Dodgers baseball I, team. So it, this movie feels like, because I know it happens a lot in Michigan, uh, if there's a movie set in Detroit, it's like, <laughs> oh, to make this a Detroit movie, all you need to do is throw in a Motown reference and a, like a reference to GM or Ford, and that's mm. good. It doesn't matter if it's doesn't fit at all and that's what this feels like where they're like let's just throw in a couple new york references throughout and that that's enough <laughs> i i think i think that's very much the case although new york tends to be a bit more because there tends to be more filmmakers yeah. from new york making films in new york so it, it tends to feel more authentic but obviously this is a movie produced by a brit and directed by brits and you know so i look the script by americans but like maybe <laughs> from ellie i'm not sure <laughs> yeah. um, so daisy is being kind of tracked down by spike and iggy who have got through the portal yes. even though it was 
closed down. Apparently, Scafatelli's so yeah. apparently yes. Scafatelli's work in the tunnel that he's trying to do has created a schism that has let them enter the the world. But I don't know why they can't just invade en masse like until the princess they get the princess and and the and the thing with the rock and I, because it says they need the stone to get through but then how did they get through if she had the stone apparently maybe it only can, <laughs> it can only fit two at a time until okay. they yeah. get the stone and then they can come in on mass <laughs> and invade okay yep if they reunite the stones, they can merge the two worlds instead of just sacrificing the old one. I guess is is the idea he keeps saying. Yep. They, I, yeah. I mean that's that's perfectly. I mean I think we're actually putting more thought into this than than the screenwriters. <laughs> but like, <laughs> uh, so so Spike and Aki are they're kind they're supposed to be like a kind of the slapstick duo. They're Bumbling henchmen, and that's their whole thing. They don't even really know what she looks like at one point. Then they do, but then Mario's girlfriend comes out. Like, we oh, should, she must we be should in a mention. We, we should <laughs> mention that apparently, because they descended from dinosaurs, that they can only recognize other dinosaur people. They can't like mm. all mammals look the same to them. So apparently, they're kind of racist as well. Uh, so like <laughs> so, so apparently that's why they keep kidnapping the wrong person even though they all they look exactly like humans i guess i know uh, it's very confusing but it's mentioned in the film they, they, they says oh i can't recognize yeah. one mammal from another or it's something i couldn't like, tell if that was like because they were stupid or because partly both i think maybe uh, genetics yeah Yeah. Uh, so in the video game lore iggy koopa is one of the seven koopaling children from super mario brothers 3 and super mario brothers world Mm -hmm. or super mario world sorry uh and spike is a not actually related to bowser but is what's the green like thing that has a spike ball that comes out of his mouth and throws at people so that's your fun toxic fact oh great things. great mario facts sponsored by namely 90s mario facts. Uh, replacing our previous yes. segment uh brandon's geography corner so. uh, <laughs> and they're adjacent adjacent they're adjacent they're segments cut. yeah okay okay <laughs> brandon's geography corner may come back uh so yeah okay it might uh, anyway craig and they're cousins <laughs> <laughs> they're cousins to the King Koopa, who they're loyal to him until they will they be weren't. on it until yeah. they get involved. Yeah. Then apparently they haven't been loyal to him the whole time. Right. The trip. But uh, yeah, just so, so I know she, we're skipping forward, <laughs> but I just in terms of like the nonsensical logic of this film, was it anybody else entertained by the fact that when Iggy and Spike, their brains are made advanced? As opposed to their their small lizard brains that they have at the start of the movie, that even once they've become advanced, they're still idiots. They just have a larger vocabulary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. like uh, it was an immediate turnaround. Like they're like intelligent and then suddenly stupid again. Yeah, then they don't know how to drive a their car on their world. Uh, no right from left. <laughs> straight off a cliff into a mud bank before we get too far away from uh the 
the part of the movie before it gets crazy. Uh-huh. There, there's a line that uh, where Daisy is talking about the dinosaur bones. Like she takes Luigi back to her dig site for some reason, and uh, she's like, "I just think they're so beautiful." And then uh, Luigi goes, "You're beautiful." I have not. I I cannot count how many times I've used that line, and <laughs> and holy crap, it's because of this movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> darn you Luigi (laughs) ah see so you did get something from the film you thought it was an abomination but subconsciously part of you liked it (laughs) yes (laughs) and on to Brandon's geography corner Uh, we find that Scapatelli's men was it Scapatelli 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 I believe Scapatelli uh, who is also a rival plumbing service on top of being a uh, land magnet whatever they they break the water in the tunnel to try to flood it so that uh they can get back to building whatever giant building they're doing to ruin all the the fossils so luigi and daisy are in the tunnel and they're like oh we could fix this or luigi's like i know how to fix this daisy says thank god you're a plumber and whatever so it cuts to them back at Luigi and Mario's apartment grabbing Mario and bringing him back to the tunnel. Tunnel should be flooded by that point. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. <laughs> they're they're by the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm sure they they're not too far. They don't they don't live too far from the place, but they had to walk to and from the place. It, it's uh, that this is the best I could do for my geography corner. I'm no, sorry. no, it's all right. Sorry. It's all right. Uh, it's all right. Um no, I I agree that probably the, the tunnel bit should be flooded, but we've got bigger fish to fry. There's there's bigger yes. there's bigger plot holes. Uh, there's more nonsense to the yes. logic that we have to deal with. So we we need to escape uh, past that. But like yeah, no, you're in you're entirely correct. And I double checked. I was wrong. It's not Scapatelli. It's just Scapelli. So Scapelli, uh, like the uh, noodle. Oh, on top of that, Spike and Iggy they take Mario's girlfriend, thinking that she is. All right, Daisy, and apparently several women from Brooklyn have been taken. As we discussed earlier, the Brooklyn babes. Yeah. And anyways, so they are fixing it. They get knocked out by Spike and Nikki, and <laughs> they wake up pretty quick after to hear Daisy yelling for Luigi, which they yell back and forth a lot throughout this movie. I was impressed by names. that comeback, I have to say. <laughs> like, they got knocked out by, like, a pair of spanners, and, like, yeah. they woke up pretty much immediately. Like, it was... I mean, they weren't even down for a ten count, you know. They that was yeah. like a three count, and they were back up and ready to ready to run. Yeah, <laughs> and so they go through this whole cavern, and they find that she's yelling to them through basically rock, but this rock then turns into sand, and her face comes through, and she comes through enough that Luigi's able to get the stone that she always wears, that was left to her when she was a baby. And then they decide Luigi now is willing to take all these kind of leaps of faith and do all this stuff. And so he jumps through and so does Mario. So now they're in this other world. And that is it in a nutshell. (laughs) And that's the first 10 minutes of this movie. Yeah, we probably need to go through the rest of it back quicker. That's to be said, you know, we'll be here all day. (laughs) But there's so much to talk about in terms of like the, the 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 non-logical nonsense that that is in this movie but a lot of it's like quite fun and one thing that i will say in the movie's favor is if you 
when you're watching like them go through the wall and all that stuff like that and um some of the effects later and as well like for effects that are like digital effects that are like 30 years old they're not awful it's not like watching spawn or something no. you know where you're like wow i don't mind you i, I guess spawn was kind of even bad for the time but like it's maybe not a good comparison but okay no, for the for the time, like it's, it's pretty advanced. Uh, yeah, I well, I feel like it was fifty fifty. There are like there are times where it was like, wow, that could hold up today, and then there are times where it was like, I that kind of looks like Spawn. Yeah, maybe, maybe more sixty forty, good to bad, but mm. it 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 wasn't. There were there were some some CG points where I was like, eh, not great. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a fair assessment. But I guess I'm the toxic fan here. <laughs> <laughs> that's the role I play. Bring up toxic fandom. What did you make My- of uh, the production design of Dino Hatton, which was done by David L. Snyder, who did the same production design for Blade Runner. And he's really made it look like Blade okay. Runner. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, looks, it looks very much like Blade Runner. But when you said that they did Max Headroom, Oh, the director's right. Yes. Then, it, yeah. Then it clicked for me. I was like, "Oh, okay." So that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> like seeing their world and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, but it it definitely had Blade Runner feels yes. to it. Uh, it de- it definitely had like uh eighty nine Batman, like Tim Burton era Batman kind of dystopian vibes. I did like that there was a thwomp bar, thwomp being the the brick enemies that try to smash oh, you. Oh, right, that's pretty. Um, yeah. Okay. I didn't pick that yeah. up, but that's that's pretty uh good. It's just a sign. There's uh-huh. a sign, you can blink and you miss it. Yeah. It, talking it's, about blinking uh, and you miss it yeah. signs, there's like weird like adult things in the movie for like a family friend, family friendly uh, film. Um, like when they first go to Dino Hatton, as it's called, there's like a, there's like a cinema, and what's playing at the cinema was I was a teenage mammal triple X. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? That's <laughs> a kids movie. Yeah, uh, in, indeed. And throughout the movie, like you know, Mario's something of a Lothario. People seem very attracted to Mario. Not that Bob Haskins is an ugly man, but I'm just it's. Yeah, it's interesting, and um, yeah, yeah there, there's there's a, a surprising amount of sexual energy in the film. For I mean, this this kind of happened with another movie we were talking about from 1993, some time back, The Three Musketeers, which is I mean that film is is on heat. It, it's That's ridiculous. Horny. Yeah, um, but um, but this movie definitely has a surprising amount of sexual energy for for something that's aimed at kids. Yeah, I was surprised, especially once we get to the dance sequence. Mm. I was very surprised. <laughs> is this uh, a good a good time to bring up? Bob Hoskins was forty nine, John Leguizamo was thirty two, and Samantha Mathis was the closest to her character's age at twenty two. Okay. okay. Yeah, I mean that kind of adds up uh, most nineties action films, most ninety films, I think. But the ones that we've covered quite often, the female. Romantic lead is like ten years younger than like the person they're paired with, so that kind of adds up. I mean, the difference between Leguizamo and Hoskins is is kind of funny, but I, I guess that's possible. But then usually that happens in like bigger families, the age differences mm. like that, rather than like. Well, they make a 
there's the little comment made about what their parents passing yeah. and Bob Hoskins, him kind of being where he says, oh, and he was, he had to be my mother. And that's the joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's more like my father or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So my, I, guess, I guess that was them trying so, to solve it. <laughs> so Luigi was a mistake. Yeah. One of them was an accident. Right. <laughs> yeah, but it, like, because he seems to not know them, so it seems like both parents died like almost immediately after he was born. But also, but also, we're in Dino Hatton. Uh, we meet Toad, who is a busker. Sing- oh, that's a that's a ways that we we meet Big Bertha before. Oh, right. yeah, I, I guess I guess so. I guess so. I'm I'm skipping past some we things, also, but yes, okay, right. We we, we are. I, uh, there's an attempted mugging by an old lady, uh, which is quite a funny sequence. Uh, and and yeah. Big Bertha steals the rock, and then, and then is that is that big, after that? B- big Bertha being a the Mario enemy, Big Bertha, who is a giant fish that tries to eat you, but this the red giant cheap cheap. But in this movie is just a a large black woman wearing red leather. Yeah, yeah, and owns a nightclub maybe. Question mark. She, I th- I thought she was a bouncer, but then she's okay. Not. That's they make some comments. I think about, yeah. Oh, that's probably Big Bertha, who is the bouncer boom, at the boom club. And, yeah, yeah. Boom boom. Also being a Mario enemy. I just want to. We are also introduced to to Dennis Hopper's King Cooper. Yes. Koopa. And my note for this is Dennis Hopper <laughs> ellipsis. That is all. <laughs> Yeah. So, and we get a plumber <laughs> alert for the plumber. Yes, to to arrest see, I, them. <laughs> Actually, you see, Dennis Hopper. That that is all. Uh, that's not quite all. I don't think. What did you make of whether this was in the script or whether they stopped caring about the script and just made their own choices? What did you make of Dennis Hopper as King Cooper throughout the movie? And I specifically want you to talk about the decision he made to make him a germaphobe. Oh, I've there's a part of me that feels like that was an acting choice by him, and then they just rolled with it because of the way it's done. But I think it makes maybe. sense in the movie because but yeah, he he doesn't like the fungus, uh-huh. and he knows the fungus is the the previous mushroom king. But he doesn't like to touch was, anything. Yeah. He has a hanky over the phone that he uses, and he doesn't want to shake Mario's hand. He's you know, like there's there's lots of things. He's obviously quite severely germaphobic. He does all the mud stuff, though. He he does, yeah, and he does he does make a point to say that their world is covered in fungus, and he he hates he hates the fungus, or he <laughs> hates he hates how dirty their world is. So he's looking forward to getting back to Earth with clean clean air, the clean Manhattan Brooklyn. Air. I was just about to say the. Famously clean <laughs> yes. New York here. Yeah. I thought you were going to say his decision to do T-Rex arms halfway through the movie <laughs> for the entire rest of the I, movie. I guess. He, he had, I think that's like he, to signify when we get the scene where they slightly devolve him, but don't fully devolve mm. him. Like, you know, he's, he's got more of his T-Rexiness back because he's taken a step back. Yeah. So... That I that, think I, that that was my assumption that that's why he that. did that because that makes more sense yeah, now. Like after the scene where they escape, where Toad gets de-evolved into a Goomba, and then mm-hmm. he gets 
for some reason they put him back, but like it doesn't like devolve him to what is put on the little dial. I, I don't know, like, because mm-hmm. surely it should like just devolve him back into like being like a T Rex, but like it just gives him more T Rex energy, and there's a, like a flash of T Rex in his eyes, kind of thing. So I, I don't yes. know how. The, anyway, I, there's lots of things I don't know how it works in this film, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so maybe we should we we should just skip past. And um, like for example, you, you're right. You brought up Toad. He's a he's a musician. Uh, he has he has a swirl pattern shaved into his hair to to kind of look like a mushroom but not like his mushroom hat and then they all get arrested and he toad gets to, toad gets done dirty in this movie as i said earlier and he gets turned into a goomba which is not the brown thing that you jump on in the mario games but something completely terrifying <laughs> so yeah i was wondering uh, what you both made of this uh, both as a child and and now because the design of the Goombas, which are these like massive reptilian creatures who wear these massive trench coats that have these massive shoulders, and then they got a tiny little itty bitty head, and they're really creepy looking. And I was just, I was looking at it, and every time they were on screen, I wanted to look away because I was like, God, they're just so creepy. And I remember having the same kind of repulsed reaction as a kid. And I was wondering what your guys' take on it was. I don't know. I <laughs> I just more thought it was strange in terms of the design, I guess. And <sighs> I don't know. I've had a loss for it. I, if it, they were going to de-evolve and things like it, just again, like so much of it, it didn't make sense <laughs> to me. Craig, we're only I'm just we're only just over halfway through the episode, and you're already tapping out. This, yeah. this is. This is a new yeah. law for us, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with Scott on this one. It is They are creepy. I hated them as a kid. I hated them now. I mm. think, so in Super Mario World, they changed the Goomba design to be like little round things, which kind of looks like the round heads, round-headed ones in the mm-hmm. movie. But also, they didn't have the body in, in the game. But so, like, in my head, they've retconned those to be called Goombas now. Okay. But... In in my head, that's that's the design aesthetic they're going for. And then the ones with like the raptor heads were supposed to be more like the Koopas in the Koopa shells because they had like the beak looking thing going on. So in my head, that's what they were going for. I don't know if that's true or not. Hated it. Hated it then. <laughs> hate it now. Every time they try to talk is the worst. And like, oh, it's what? so unnerving. Well, it felt like because dino the show dinosaurs mm-hmm. would have been was it still going on at that time or was it uh, i think it was like 92 to 95 yeah like yeah so uh, there's a part of me that kind of had that vibes with it like they're trying to make like oh this show's popular and try to make their version but henchman version of that i don't know i think i just always associated those two together <laughs> 90, 91 to 94 so. yeah okay but yeah at least those looked like people yeah had proper animatronics this one was just like their mouths would go wide and it was it was the small head i think it was the small yeah. head that always got me yeah it's uh, the same for me that's very much the same thing and then they still give toad a 
harmonica even, yeah. and he's playing it at points even though his mouth isn't even touching it it's just so playing. creepy so creepy i think the next thing i was uh, wanting to talk about is like you basically we get up we've kind of, kind of covered like some of the things that are coming up in terms of like a toad being de-evolved into a goomba the what happens to koopa the mario's escape we get a bit of a kind of chase sequence and then they kind of escape via a tunnel that's not fully built and then they drive off out of the tunnel but are saved by the fungus so like one of the kind of mantras of the movie is trust the fungus but i know that you said that john Leguizamo's like luigi is a conspiracy theorist so like he just immediately has like these bizarre logical leaps but still i was a little bit kind of like why does he so immediately trust the fungus even though he isn't in the end correct i mean at this point the fungus did try to give them a bomb as they were escaping and then it did catch them as they were falling to their deaths essentially in the police cruiser which I'd like to point out at one point, Bob Hoskins has the line, this is driving. <laughs> yeah. uh, six years prior to episode one's, this is pod racing. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I will secretly, point secretly out. very influential film, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will just add to that. That's interesting with these cars because I, I get the fact that they don't have the resources like gas or whatever. Oh, but yeah. none of them have brakes so they're just all <laughs> smashing into each other <laughs> apparently they couldn't learn how to install brakes in cars no because like all I, the cars you, are like you designed just ex- as like kind of demolition derby cars like they have like that kind yeah. of look about them well you just you just wrinkled my brain because i like i didn't put two and two together that they wouldn't have gasoline because they wouldn't use fossils the decomposed dinosaur <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow uh, that's and that's why they're all running off the electric track type thing going yeah. on yeah but you know luigi he he's he's into the supernatural and he saw that he saw the mushrooms he saw the bomb it's like the fungus seems semi-sentient at least there are they're in a world of living dinosaurs there must be things that are different they jumped through a magical portal with a doctor strange style animation getting them <laughs> from point a to point b okay yeah yeah you've you've uh, you've made your case it's it's, it's we'll, we'll give yeah. this nonsensical thing don't make me defend this movie <laughs> well you, you've you've done it successfully you've successfully defended yeah. this plot point going against uh. your own code of toxic fandom yeah. <laughs> yes so by this point we get what i know they talked about wanting to make it like a video game where they yeah. have almost goals that they have to set or get to like you would in a video game but fetch quest yeah, so Spike and Iggy, who are now kind of on their side, but you, you think they are against them, but they end up saying, well, if you want to get the stone back, we know where it's at. And they're kind of assigned to work together because they want the stone. The Mario Brothers want Daisy, who is now yeah, locked up in the tower with the other girls. She realizes she's the princess, gets to meet Yoshi, which is just a, like a ver- velociraptor looking thing and then dennis hopper tries to kiss her saying that every girl remembers her first time kissing a lizard (laughs) we also get uh have a nice trip see you next fall two years prior to kimberly saying it in the power rangers movie (laughs) Uh, 
And you're really so, making a case for this film. It is this film's influence. Um, like, <laughs> so, so much influence. Daisy looks like she's about to sex the Yossi because at, <laughs> at some point, Koopa says, Yoshi is of a noble house or something like he's the he's he's somehow related to royalty I don't, yeah, yeah apparently so but he's also de-evolved for some reason the, yeah it's something about the yoshis are always attached to the royal family oh that's what it was yeah i guess i misheard him i don't know it's yeah <laughs> so they have to get the rock so to get the rock back into get daisy they make a basically a truce with spike and iggy and which you think they're going to double cross them, but I mean, no, they end up all good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> uh, it's at this point in the movie where I got bored and started yeah. going through <laughs> Wikipedia and IMDb uh-huh. because Spike, Spike, I kept, I was like, I know who that is. I know who that is. He's the valet from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. That steal that they, they take the Ferrari in the middle of that. And then uh, Samantha, Math- Samantha Mathis was the voice of Krista in Fern Gully. I completely forgot about that. Oh. The Last Rainforest. And that's how I entered Big Bertha and Mario oh, yeah. dancing. Together. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry. No, that's, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not, I mean, we're not stri- you're not strictly required to, to watch every second of, of the movie. You know, really... Oh, I was watching. I just was... <laughs> you were just I, paying half attention. It, that's that's okay. <laughs> I I was also pausing and doing laundry during during my watch through. Okay. So, and it should be noted too that Fisher Stevens is the as Iggy. Yes, yep. that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which I somehow missed. I um I was wondering about that, like in terms of like getting away from the plot for a second, but just for the characters, like what did you make of Iggy and Spike, and also. What did you make of Lena, who's played by Fiona Shaw, who's probably most known to people nowadays as Petunia Dursley from the Harry Potter films? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. what, was the, what was your takes on those characters? I was trying to... I got that Spike and Iggy were like the bumbling henchmen at first. And then, yeah, they stayed bumbling, even though they had a better vocabula- vocabulary. But... I don't know. I felt like there's this weirdness of that. There's points where, where they're underutilized. Mm. Like they're just like their bumblingness, or that they would have made them more silly. I guess that's part of the tone thing that we yeah. talked about. But in terms of King Koopa's kind of right hand, I think she was again as our um, ongoing thing. She was underwritten in a way, but then weirdly becomes important of like a a villain in her own sense i don't yeah i i thought i thought the same about the the lena character that lena is an underwritten character but fiona shaw's furious scenery chewing performance kind of overcomes that to make her quite an entertaining character brandon yeah she definitely yeah fiona shaw steals not only the show, but the antagonist role, because yeah. she she's the one that actually unites the meteorite pieces. Sorry, skipping ahead oh, a little sorry. bit, or a lot of it, <laughs> but it's like she she has the whole villain turn, and I mean, 
most of her lines don't pass the Bechdel test, but uh, that's an outdated way of of looking at things anyway. You know, the the side characters, it was interesting. They're like it it did kind of fragment the movie into different parts. Like, oh, this is Iggy and Spike's little fun mishap and uh oh big bertha she has her own section of the movie and it it turned it into like a fetch quest type thing but when they are in the scenes they really do like take focus from the the main characters (laughs) and and it's not 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 a bad thing i so shaw i will say that's even a feat show to her the fact that she's able to do scene chewing and take the focus away from somebody like Dennis Hopper mm-hmm. <laughs> who yes. is the ultimate scene chewer that, right? that is true and I but I don't think that Dennis Hopper's performance here is a scenery chewing performance but it doesn't feel quite no. as furious as like two years later where he's the, the villain in Waterworld or like some of his other performances <laughs> I don't think it ranks as one of his most scenery chewing performances yeah he may have taken notes from fiona shaw's <laughs> performance yeah. in this for Waterworld. yeah because i mean and again this is skipping ahead but particularly that kind of end sequence for her character where she uh falls off a bridge gets electrocuted in like in a cartoon style <laughs> so like it doesn't like damage you it just like makes your hair go big and then yeah from that point on like she is completely off the chain in her acting like the electrocution made her even more deranged than her character already was which was pretty fucking deranged and yeah like she she really is she's kind of the mvp of the film (laughs) yeah which which i like when she gets the rock you know after the whole big bertha dance and all that and she drinks the shot and it shows the worm and the worm is is actually talking you can kind of hear it going help me <laughs> and she drinks it yeah that was, just... that was one of those little funny moments <laughs> i guess i mean that scene kind of doesn't make sense either because like big bertha was like yeah. antagonistic towards mario the first time that they met towards mario and luigi and then when they meet again in the club, he she punches him. And then like but then he does some kind of smooth chat up lines and the she's just immediately enamored. Like she's fallen in love <laughs> in two seconds. And yeah. that's quite a funny <laughs> sequence of events. Yeah. The the chat the like his smooth pickup is actually <laughs> he wants her to punch him again. And then she says <laughs> What dance with me and I'll hit you as much as you like or something like that. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, that's that's all it took. <laughs> I don't know. Like Big Bertha was just looking for a kind of sub dom relationship, and like one came along, and and that was that was that. You know, weird sexual energy. This film, as we discussed, and the dance goes on for a while between the two of them as he's trying to get the rock. Which is in between, yeah, her breasts, and we call yeah, it cleavage, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. There's a whole thing where he puts in his mouth at one point where he oh, the dipping, yeah. Where there's all these different elements that 
like oh for a kids movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised they're doing this but it was also a nice gag for yeah that went on way too long yeah it was it was drawn it was drawn out talking about gags that that go on for way too long i think the most random gag that we have is there is like a random cutaway scene where koopa is ordering a pizza and then we get <laughs> notifications about where the pizza's at another, on another two occasions. And I was like, mm-hmm. why the hell is comedy this in the film? Threes. Comedy comes in Yeah, threes. I, know, I know comedy comes what? in trees. I, I understand the principle of jokes. <laughs> I just don't understand why this joke <laughs> is here. It doesn't, it just doesn't work. <laughs> so I don't, one of the things that they talk about is that like he says, hold the mammal on his um, uh-huh. pizza, which we don't eat real, you know, traditionally for pizza. We don't have lizard on our pizza or things like that. But they constantly try and relate it in a way that's like, oh, it's like the opposite of here. So we're having lizard hot, like hot dogs instead of hot dogs. And oh, yeah, that's a <laughs> good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I don't have anything for that, but it might be building on it. Uh, instead of controllers, their their controllers were guns. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. Like that was a weird design aesthetic. Yeah, but their cameras were too. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right, because they, they take those mug like shots. mug shots that like have the kind of you know like the little sniper dot. So like uh, both Mario and Luigi think they're being executed, but they're actually just getting their food taken. Is that was, because of the was it was it Nintendo that had the like the duck hunter yep those Um, duck hunt and they also later on the movie so the in the climatic battle or actually any of the the de-evolution guns that they had those were based on the nintendo super scope or the super nintendo yeah Yeah, i'm not a big gamer but i did know that one i did i was like oh i recognize that from when i was a kid (laughs) i think it's at that point they finally change into their colored suits Yes, yes, we are at the point where they, they suit up uh, into their traditional red and green uh, suits. And uh, we're kind of kind of getting into the kind of final part of the film. Daisy uh, finds out about her father. And she immediately believes that her father is a fungus and doesn't ask any <laughs> questions. So that's interesting. Luigi and Daisy really are made for each other in terms of mm. their lack of self-confidence and just their like willingness to just believe anything they're told. So yeah, there's that. And we we have a kind of fun kind of platformer sequence where they have to jump some things. Luigi thinks he's flying. He's not. He's just on a hook. Mario nearly dies, but he's saved by the fungus. Once again, trust the fungus. Mm-hmm. And Koopa's kind of watching on while he's ordering pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're kind of we're kind of getting into the, the final kind of battle and we saved the Brooklyn babes. Mario was unaware that Daniela, I think that was her name, or uh, Danielle? Yeah, Daniela. Daniela, which yeah. by the way, should have been Pauline. Okay. Uh, like the original, the original before Princess Peach woman would have been Pauline. That that gets my toxic fandom uh upset that they like, oh, we'll do so many references, but Mario's just dating some random girl from Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. And, and even though you said, Craig, correctly, that Luigi is kind of the protagonist of the, the, the movie, uh, Mario is the much more useful brother. 
uh, because he saves yes. the day. He he saves the Brooklyn Babes. And I did like his line about he, he, that he promised to take Daniela to WrestleMania. Uh, so <laughs> that amused me. Yeah. So he rescues them. And then he comes down a flume, uh, like a, a kind of ice pipe. A mattress uh, through, through Yeah. Through, uh, with, on a mattress. And then he knocks out some of the, some of the Goombas and kind of knocks over. Does he just knock over some of the Goombas or does he knock over Koopa as well at that time? Uh, yeah. Well, so they come out of the, they come out of the tunnel tubing straight into the yep. street where Luigi and Daisy just happen to be and they knock over <laughs> Koopa and uh, some of, of his Goomba henchmen. Can I just point out 80 minutes into the film, they introduce a hail Koopa like like uh, yeah Nazi era <laughs> dictatorship uh, hail uh, Heil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was just like out of nowhere and then it's never repeated at any point yeah. well that's that's true that's true I, as we kind of talked a little bit about before we start recording this is uh secretly a marxist film because right. <laughs> lena mentions that spike and iggy were kind of rabble rousing in the bar against koopa in a scene that we don't see but there is a deleted scene of spike and iggy doing a rap which is anti-koopa so there, there's that and uh, iggy Fisher Stevens, anyway, he says that uh, Koopa is the oppressor of the proletariat. So, so it's it's secretly, you know, that's I, I think that's a sign in its favor. Secretly left this movie, <laughs> and if uh, listeners were not previously aware of my political inclinations, you are now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so after they're taken to in that scene, you don't see them again, but you're. They're ordered to be executed, but yeah, I don't know if they actually were or we're just assuming. They well, they didn't get it. don't they, oh, they escape because Daisy? Oh yeah, yeah, I, with they Daisy. Did oh, they escape. Did you oh, not yeah. watch the no, post-credit no, sequence? Yep. <laughs> I didn't watch no, that. No, I know that they escaped. Now I remember that because Toad. They, they take them. yeah, yeah. They take Daisy to her father, and then they're like, "Peace." Yeah. We know when to. We know when to. Uh, fold yeah, them. they're they're yes. like uh, they're, uh, those who run away live to I fight another it. day. I think is an approximation of what they say. <laughs> and then the the pizza guy gets pulled off as the mattress bobsled hits Koopa. I yeah. guess. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, we kind of we've kind of well, it's amazing. We we took uh, about fifty minutes to talk about the first ten minutes of the movie, uh, but now we're at the final battle <laughs> somehow. <laughs> so we've we've yep. really stepped up our gear. <laughs> but then there's there's still two storylines going on true. right now. There's yeah, Co- Koopa versus Mario. Then there's Luigi Daisy uh, versus Lena, Mrs. Dursley, and she has. Lena has the crystal after it drops out of Koopa's hands and she catches it and falls onto an electrical grate or something, yep. but survives. Yeah, well, as we discussed, just makes her hair bigger, like in all classic uh, slapstick yep. movies or cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, tonal whiplash for sure, because <laughs> again, she's still the darker villain of the two somehow. She makes a break for the the portal cave meteorite thing followed by luigi and the girls and or no luigi and the girls go to the portal to put to put to send all the brooklyn babes back through and then she comes into them anyway i want to talk about the koopa fight okay (laughs) which is okay break down the koopa fight for us uh brandon mario 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 gets the bomb 
which he he twists and sets uh, in motion at at Koopa on the little walkway they're on, and then it immediately falls down the grate uh, onto the street below. And then they Koopa starts shooting the super scope at him or the de evolution ray or whatever, and um, uh, there's a long fight. He he ends up inside the thing that's suspended over the street which i don't know what it is cement mixer i i, I don't know yeah, but it's it's something. an allusion to to koopa's clown car in super mario world okay. if you've ever beaten gotten to the yes. end end of the game when you face off against bowser that's the illusion and i recognize that as a kid but like coming back to it at this point i'm like that's so dumb <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> I do like that everybody happens to know what a the bomb is, and they're, yeah, oh, so yeah. they're just all screaming it. Well, it's a giant bomb. Of course, <laughs> you run. Yeah. And at, at one point, Lena gets the uh, crystal back into the meteorite, and the worlds start to merge, and we get a nice Thanos snap effect twenty five years early, and you know. The, from the Marvel yeah. movies. No, I, I, I'm, I'm aware. It's just that, like, because you're breaking down the fight, I was just letting you roll. Um, so, yeah. Oh, no, I, <laughs> but, I, but I've been floundering for a few minutes now. But Lena is killed, and that's why we find out how um, Daisy was so important because mm. Lena kept getting jealous about why he only wanted Daisy, King Koopa. And it's because Daisy is the only one that could merge the two together without um, basically being killed. <laughs> and so Lena is incinerated, but her skeleton remains are blasted against the yes, wall. It's now in, embedded in the cave uh, wall. Yeah. Her human mammal looking uh, dinosaur skeleton bones. Yes. yes. No. Mario, <laughs> not the whole world, but apparently just Mario and King and Cuba, a handful of Goombas. Yeah, go back to the or end up in Brooklyn mm -hmm. for a second. <laughs> with, and Scapelli's like, "Who are you, Jokers?" Yeah, and then he gets devoted into the, a monkey. <laughs> yes, and then they get blipped back because <laughs> Daisy has the power. Daisy. Who says only I can enter this and then drags Luigi into the uh, death circle meteorite thing? Yeah. And Luigi goes, I have just the plumbing tool to get this out. There's a lot of plumbing in this movie. Yeah. I don't think we've discussed it at length, but there's several sequences throughout the movie where plumbing is, is a major plot point of like, oh, well, I know these pipes. We can, we can switch them up. You know, like, yeah. So, at the end of the movie, plumbing saves the day. And yes. Mario, that's the big kind of thing where he keeps telling Luigi, you got to hold on to your tools and every tool is important. And that's, a, I guess, big character arc is that Luigi learns that plumbing is important. That is, that is also, the, the two things that the movie wants us to learn is trust the fungus and also to always keep your plumbing tools on you. Just in case. Yeah. And third is wear Reeboks because you could walk up a wall if you're a, a ba bomb. Yes, that's yeah. true. I did know, I put that in my notes that the, the ba bomb was uh, wearing Reeboks. And I was like, oh, okay. But random say, product placement there. Well, love, fair enough. I love the ba bomb gag, how it just keeps going. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's really drawn out. But like, yeah, it's quite, it's quite, quite good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still love it today. I do have to say, did the art department run out of money? Because yeah. 
like clearly that's just like it's it's like a paper mache bombshell uh, over like just a purchased little wind up toy yeah. and because uh, you said that all the CG looked good earlier and I disagreed I I really liked the snap but when they blipped uh-huh. back that was pretty sure bad. no I, I just um yeah it was just when they were going through the wall thought I was all right um uh, when they blipped to that earth thought that was all right I don't know if like when you see the exterior shot of like Dino Hatton, whether that's like a digital effect or like a matte painting, but like I, the car hanging from the fungus was was pretty yeah, impressive. That's pretty that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh I, I think I just noted that there was certain sequences. I didn't think it was all great and you know, some of it, yeah, it looks pretty ropey mm-hmm. or whatever. But I just think for a movie that's thirty years old, there's a lot of stuff that looks not awful you know like not like a lot of times when you're watching a 90s movie where you know digital effects are kind of in their their infancy and you're like wow okay that's where we were at back then you know there is moments Uh, of that but there's also moments of like oh that's that's kind of advanced for the time you know for 1993 yeah technically pre-jurassic park i mean the same year yeah and jurassic park is slightly different because any film that, like, because a lot of the effects are kind of pure digital here, um, with the wall and like the the blipping back and forth and stuff like that. Whereas most of the effects in Jurassic Park are like a mixture of digital and practical, which makes them look better. Because like, That's if you true. do a mixture of digital and practical, it ages better than if you're just doing purely digital, because like that like updates too often. Very true. So Koopa's devoed into, uh, or well, at first, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. That seems like then, a mistake, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then into just the primordial booze. Yeah. Just, and yeah. Well, so the moment he pops out of the, the cement mixer clown car thing as the dinosaur, I'm like, ah, that's, that's from the thing. They did the thing. <laughs> yeah. That's how they beat Bowser. He turns into goop. But apparently, the king, when he, when um, Koopa dies or Bowser dies, the king instantly is evolved again. He doesn't need to be. Which is random. Yeah, which is really yeah. random because turns- all of the Goombas are still Goombas. Like, everything, nothing yeah. else has re evolved. So there's oh, yeah, no we, explanation we, as we to forgot. the link to why that would be, because apparently it's all being done in a lab. And it's not been done by magic. Mm. If it had been done by magic, <laughs> then you could have just been like, magic, <laughs> that's the answer. But <laughs> uh, we forgot Toad, Toad, Coop, or Toad Goomba shows up and gives the, them the super scopes and uh, then plays music to distract, distract all the other yes. Goombas. We skipped over the elevator gag earlier, which was. It, it went on. Too, it yeah. went on too long. Was, um, and basically, the punchline is everybody loves to dance. You can uh, check out the mm-hmm. movie if you want further details. Yeah. And Lance Hendrickson is the king in a very good yeah. cameo. I think yeah. his only line is uh, setting up the plumbers se- or whatever. <laughs> setting up, setting the up the sequel. Oh yeah. yes, uh, because Lance Hendrickson is one of those actors like Danny Trejo or Eric Roberts who is secretly in every movie. That has been made in their mm-hmm. lifetime. <laughs> yeah. So 
they save the day everyone cheers the three of them head to the portal back and daisy stays decides to stay to be with yep. her father and her people and so luigi daisy have a scene and mario's like tell her how you feel and luigi says you know how i feel about you right it's been half a day <laughs> yeah. it's been half a day they love each other Brandon. And they love each other it's a great love affair that started yesterday mario says if you loved her you'd understand that she has to stay it's been half a day yeah. maybe been 24 hours and then they kiss and it's what two weeks later, three weeks later, three weeks later. Three weeks, yeah, uh, Luigi stole the jump shoes, by the way, or whatever yeah. they're called, and brought that technology back to their yep. world. <laughs> but sorry, go ahead, Greg. So Mario is back to normal. They're making spaghetti, and he's telling Luigi to stop moping around. And then Luigi, you think, is heartbroken, but then he gets really excited because they're now on this, you know, the TV show that talks about these strange happenings and. Mm. The guy labels them for saving New York, the Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> but just when you think it's over, the door kind of opens up. Well, there's a knock. It opens up and Daisy is in battle gear, basically. <laughs> She's up. Yeah. Doc Brown shows up in the DeLorean and says, <laughs> yeah. something's got to be done about your kids, Mario's. Exactly. Yeah. And then smash cut to Super Mario Brothers 2. No, that, dun, that, dun, didn't, dun, that dun, didn't happen. Yeah. No. No sequel happens. No. And in fact, because... No, smash cut to a song by Roxette. Yeah. Swedish pop rock duo. Roxette. Swedish pop rock duo, Roxette. Yeah, that, that is true. We do have an, an end song by them. And for, for, it appears that nobody thinks that this film is their, is their best work because Roxette have been somewhat critical um, of this song. <laughs> so... And, and no, then it's, it, this prior is, this to is the a Marvel quote, movies. This is a quote from one half of Roxette. I still like the song, in a way, but if you wanted to make a parody of Roxette, it probably sounds something like this. So, <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, everybody involved in this project had a great time, is, is, is what we're saying. And I guess we should mention that basically there is a post-credit sequence that Craig didn't watch and uh, where uh, two <laughs> Nintendo representatives pitch a video game to Iggy and Spike. And, and then that's it. That's Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. In uh, a post-credit scene prior to the MCU. Very rare. Yeah, it's not, yeah. It doesn't happen often. But um, Was one of those people Shigeru I'm not Miyamoto? 100% sure. I don't, I don't think, think it was. was. I think it's just two actors playing yeah. Nintendo representatives. So I, yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it is a cameo from the, from the creator of but, the game. And also, it's a it's a mislead because you think they're in Mario and Luigi's apartment and then it pans over to, to Spike and uh, Iggy on the couch. Yeah. And so, and also, I, what, was it because of this movie and its failure that Nintendo didn't do another live action film until yes. the, the Detective yes, Pikachu? Yes, it, it, it was. Um, okay. Apparently, uh, Nintendo had a live action Metroid Prime uh, movie in in the works or, or was it was it Metroid Prime at that time or was it Metroid? But anyway, they had a live action Metroid film in the works alongside uh, Super Mario Bros. It was going to be their next project, and then they scrapped it, and then they just didn't bother making any other live action movie until 2019 when they made Detective Pikachu. So 
it really put them off making live action movies. It would have been interesting if they did do like a '90s Metroid uh-huh. movie because they they didn't they didn't even know what what. Uh, long story short, uh, they worked with the developer that made like a Metroid game that or a Metroid game pitch where Samus was because they call Samus a bounty uh-huh. hunter, right? But like they made like her into an actual bounty hunter uh and they pitch it to nintendo and nintendo's like this isn't samus at all what are you doing and they're like she's a bounty hunter this is bounty hunting <laughs> and, like, and uh nintendo was like oh we didn't know what that word meant it just sounded cool <laughs> <laughs> samus has a heart of gold and so oh, yeah, cool. it, if you want to hear the actual story on that go watch did you know gaming okay. but i that's the the tl DW. <laughs> That's when they've been talking every, I don't know, want to say probably five or 10 years they try and to make again, I feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll hear rumors that a script is in the work for a Metroid. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's one of that. You won't hear anything yeah. else. And- I, I believe they they were working with the Robot Chicken creators oh. to do an animated Star Fox series, but that got scrapped oh. when they made the deal with Illumination. Okay. All right. So that kind of wraps it up for this episode. It just leaves us to give final thoughts and for for both of you to give uh, your social media details. Brandon, as you're the special guest, you can go first. Final thoughts on the movie. Um, I remember hating this movie as a kid. Uh, Clearly, I saw it a lot. uh, uh, Clearly, to me, I saw it a few times because I remembered a lot about it. And but going back and watching it uh, 25 to 30 years later, um, it was nice to to see more of the connections, to see that there was some actual care in making these Nintendo Mario connections in the movie that I didn't notice as mm. a kid. If this was not a Mario-based movie, I probably would have enjoyed it more because the plot was semi-coherent and the even though it was kind of fetch questy in its structure it, it didn't really deter uh when each each set piece had like its own focus of people and um i thought i thought it turned out i i would give it a four out of ten uh maybe a six out of ten um for for my letterboxed uh, rating, which only does five stars. So well, join me over at Namely 90s on your favorite podcasting platform at namely90s.com slash listen. Join us for season two with that variety show, deep dive format, switching off uh, every week. Um, you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash rewind show for all of your wine edutainment needs that should be we should be kicking off season four maybe february maybe march i haven't figured it out yet and sometimes i do streaming things uh currently i am using twitch.tv slash b schwitty that's b-s-c-h-w-i-t-t-y i'll stream games occasionally raise money for charity oh and you can find namely 90s on twitter and instagram at namely 90s with a nine zero s Okay. And Craig? I agree. I actually was going to say the similar thing to what Brandon was saying, where I do feel like if it wasn't named Super Mario, it would be even more enjoyable. 
I, I mean, the biggest things to me was uh, the logic yeah. <laughs> behind, I guess, the story building logic, and then the inconsistencies with tone were kind of the two big issues that I had with it. But yeah, it had some fun moments. And I, I think I'd mentioned this right before, but I didn't say it during the recording. I enjoy both of those actors a lot. Yeah. Actually, most of the cast, I enjoy the other work they've yeah. done. But yeah, I like both of those actors, but it was the two of them together did not really, I don't know if it was their chemistry or what, but it didn't seem like they were both in the same movie or they should have been in the, you know, brothers in this same movie but i don't know it, yeah it was fun i enjoyed it <laughs> but as much as a, it kind of broke me halfway okay. through um, <laughs> but yeah so for my socials i already talked about the the comedy project that i've been working on but i also we're about to come back and we're doing a reformatting which i've mentioned before i do a podcast that was based on independent horror well, more obscure films called Bloodhound Picks, P-I-X, but we are coming back and incorporating instead more of an understanding of just the, the actual process for people that want to make their own independent horror movie. And so we're going to break down from everything, from the writing of the script to film festival submissions and stuff like that. So that is on Twitter, Instagram. Facebook Bloodhound Picks, but if you want to just look up me personally, or the the comedy project, I'm the joke that I'm working on. You can look it up on Twitter, uh, and Instagram or TikTok. Even though I haven't posted a bunch on there, I'm going to start soon. But it's under Guilty Animals, all one word. And yeah, that's that's me. And I recommend all listeners check out all of that. In terms of my final thoughts of the film, I kind of agree with a lot of what's been said. The film is kind of a bad movie. It's tonally inconsistent. Its narrative logic is all over the place, but it's also kind of a fun movie. And the cast is good. And even though we know that the cast were not having fun, they managed to convey the look of having fun. On Letterboxd, I ended up giving it kind of two and a half stars because I think objectively it's probably more like a two-star film, but like I gave it that extra half star because like the actors entertained me enough and like it's kind of a fun-looking film. You know, it's weird that it kind of looks like Blade Runner. Yeah, so that's kind of my thoughts on it. And if you're not following us on social media already, then you can at 90s Action on Twitter, or you know, you can obviously catch us uh, wherever you get podcasts from Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or on our anchor page. And also, I should have mentioned at the top of the show, I forgot that we're also on the Last of the Action Heroes uh, podcast network. And um, so we're a part of that. And that has, if you are a big action fan, that has lots of different action podcasts for you. Some on Rocky, on Rambo, there's a Dolph Lundgren podcast, an Arnold Schwarzenegger one, a Mel Gibson one, Bruce Willis one, a lot of the kind of classic Hollywood action stars of the of the 80s and 90s uh, for you there. That's all for this time. 
but be sure to join us next time when, very excitingly for Craig, we will be covering our first <laughs> Christopher Lambert movie, Gunman. Until then, though, see ya. <laughs>